Rise up, Christians, go and open people's eyes that they may see. Turn them from to God from darkness. Sends forgiveness and a portion of the saints they will receive. Taste the blessing of God's jubilee. Amen. 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 Well, uh, I hope that uh, once we're more and more released and living this life of jubilee, you'll write more songs. I'm, I just wrote a few to kind of get it going. I hope that the young people, all of us, um, will really fill our mouth with singing. Amen? Um, and get rid of all those low-grade depression, yeah? It's actually quite easy to get to, to rid them. And uh, just by a f some, some singing and songs in, in happiness. Um, well, this is, uh, by the Lord's mercy, taking us to this last... Uh, session, and uh, it is a concluding session. Um, in a way, I feel that um, the Lord has not only shown us his burden, but even provided us a way. Uh, I think last night's message, um, I didn't really plan it that way, but I think the Lord did come in and even give us some practical um, uh, instructions, if you will, uh, how to go forward. Remember, um, as we are in studying Leviticus these days, that Israel were under God's training. You, 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 I, don't, I think very few Christians have that idea that those 40 years were training. Uh, and particularly starting with Mount, at Mount Sinai, when uh, not only the law um, was given to them, uh, but also a lot more than the law. The law was just 10 words. You know, 10 commandments actually originally means 10 words. It's only 10 words. But the rest, were, um, of course, you have this uh, blueprint um, of the tabernacle, right? That is a great thing. The blueprint of the tabernacle in tremendous details. Then you have also associated with that uh, the instructions concerning the priesthood. Uh, there's many pages of that from all about their diet, about their uh, garments or their, their, what they should wear, about their dwelling, about, uh, about their life, the life of a priest. Uh, was made very, very clear in type uh, in Exodus. And, um, uh, but not only so, there will be a lot of ordinances in the book of Leviticus training these Israel people how to live a holy life. Also in incredible details. Incredible. You know, we have, we just have a, um, uh, two trainings, winter and summer, and we could hardly cover all the uh, 
small details, so we just crystallize certain things. But if you go back and read there are a lot of details, I tell you, God wants to train his people in detail how they should live this holy life, but not only to live a holy life, but to live a rejoicing life. I mean, you may not think so, but to rejoice requires training. For lasting joy, you need some training. How to um, uh, offer the offerings, how to um, um, keep the feasts, um, and how to even celebrate something called the Jubilee. All these are with details. You just don't do it whatever way you want. Jehovah has uh, set forth uh, all these uh, details for us to be trained in so that after so many years, all the Israel are trained people. And that make them a uh, peculiar people on this earth. You know, we are kind of strange people. I say the day we lost our strangeness, we lost our testimony. Now, don't try to be strange. <laughs> you understand what I mean? When I say strange, I, mean, I don't mean strange. I mean peculiar. Uh, I mean unique. We are God's unique possession. There should be a huge big chasm between us and the world. There should be, we should be outstanding. Uh, we should stand out in the midst of, of society because we are another kind of species, right? We are sons of God. And we're also God's people. We are his chosen possession. We are his inheritance as he is ours. And, uh, and he owned us. From the day when Jehovah took them out of Egypt, he had the idea that this is mine. This is my people. I've called them, chosen them to be my particular, peculiar possession. I own them. They are for my enjoyment and pleasure. That's what he wants. And so for that, uh, these Egyptian um, uh, um, uh, people of God, meaning they are God's people by blood, but they have been fully Egyptianized. They, they, they've fully been, 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 have been drinking the Nile River for a little bit too long. They, they all uh, uh, reek of leeks and, and, and onions and whatever they eat uh, from that river. They have become just like the people of the world, no difference. So God called them, redeemed them from that place to cross the Red Sea into the wilderness to hold a feast unto Jehovah. And so there's a physical separation from Egypt to be in the wilderness. And under that wilderness, God started to give them a new diet. No longer all this Egyptian food. They eat something from the heavens that comes down every day every morning, call what? Manna. Call what is it? That's the meaning of manna. Like, it's not earthly food. It's not hamburger. It's not hot dogs. It's, it's what is this? It's a food that man 
has heretofore not known. But that food is a food, a diet reserved for God's people. So they start eating something from the heavens. And over time, they start to become heavenly. Rather than Egyptian, they become heavenly by constitution. Not by just instruction, but by what they eat. And what they eat is what they were. Or what they ate was what they were. So they became another kind of people again, again, that is acceptable, acceptable, acceptable to God and for God's satisfaction. So um, we're under this training. Brothers and sisters, even in our life today, in the church life, we are under a kind of training. Okay? Uh, to be such holy people and such rejoicing people. I was not always a happy person by disposition, like some of you, actually like many of you. Um, <clears throat> I uh, did some study concerning Midwesterners. You know, what are the character of true, true, a lot of you are uh, uh, transplants, but I mean the real Midwesterners who went back to a few generations, you know what I mean, from uh, from uh, Norway, from uh, Sweden, from Germany, from wherever. You, you know what I mean. I mean those kinds of folks. And I found a few things that uh, supposedly characterize them. Of course, these are generalization. I understand that. But sort of this is sort of the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the impression. And so they are... Um, friendly people. And of course, this is relative, all right? Uh, relative to other parts of the U.S. They're friendly. They're, by and large, polite people. I find that to be, to be the case. They're polite people. They are um, hardworking people, you know, they, they, because it's the, the, the uh, you know, that's just the way it is. And they are persistent people. You know, people with fortitude, right? Um, uh, but also found out that, um, uh, and they're conventional people, you know, rather than these weirdos in the coast, you know. <laughs> uh, uh, they're conventional. They, they, they're more aligned with convention. That's good, right? Am I, am I right so far? <laughs> pretty, pretty much, huh? And, but I also heard that they are stoic people. You know, uh, maybe there are too many Episcopalians here or something, but they are, uh, they, or the weather, or the climate, or whatever it is. Uh, huh? Excuse me? Well, anyway. Hard winters. Hard winters, there we go. So, uh, so they are stoic people. You know, stoic means, huh? What is to be stoic? You know, it's a, it's a Greek philosophy. It's a branch of Greek philosophy. And that means you sort of, uh, uh, even in, 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 in suffering, in tragedy, in hard times, you know, you just kind of, you become stoic. You're just, you just tough. You just kind of, you don't grin even, right? And bear it. You just bear it. 
You know, that, that's, that's stoic. And, and stoic takes you through the long winters and, and other, other things. Um, so I'm here to help stoic people to rejoice. <laughs> I think that needs some training. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm also, I'm not Midwestern, but I am a stoic by nature, me. I, I just, uh, you know, I'm not a smiling kind of person. Uh, I'm Chinese, so there's a certain kind of conservatism that, uh, with me. And I'm a bit uh, dispositionally a kind of an introverted. And I don't like to hang, be with people. I like to be just by myself. I'll be very happy if I'm by myself. Um, and I'm, I'm certainly not the song, uh, song and dance kind of person. So I like to tell you the Lord in these years has been training me Amen. to train this stoic, you know, conservative, introverted Chinese uh, man uh, to, to not be like that. I'll tell you, when I came to this country, uh, I, was, I, I didn't know I was in for such a cult culture shock. Firstly, from come from China to the United States, um, uh, I mean, it was a culture shock, you can imagine. And uh, not easy. But that was not as hard as when I stepped into the Lord's recovery. And... Uh, and really become in close uh, uh, quarters with Americans. And a lot of these are uh, West Coast Americans. And in those days, 60s, we had hippies. Hippies, you, you know, some, many of you don't know hippies, right? They're these people called hippies. And, um, and suddenly, I am surrounded by people like this. And uh, for one thing, for example, I never hear so many jokes. Americans love jokes. Or maybe not Midwesterners, or they have their brand of kind of stoic jokes, or what do you call it? These, uh, uh, especially when I hang around the Texans. You know, the Texans are gone this morning, so I can say a few words. Uh, um, uh, uh, this kind of dry humor, you know what I mean? And I still remember, uh, I, I have to go to uh, Texas, and this is in the church life context, and, um, uh, and I was going town to town. There's a brother, Chinese-speaking co-worker, his name is Abraham Chang. Uh, there are two, Ab two brother Changs, one is big, one is small. This is the small one. And... Um, he was a general uh, in the army in China. And I have to be his interpreter. So in the early 80s, I traveled with him across the Texas area. And he was actually, you don't know this, he was very instrumental in the Irving Meeting Hall today. You know that meeting hall? That was built in the early 80s. He was actually very instrumental uh, uh, in, the, in the building of that hall which became very useful for a period of time, for a long period of time, uh, for the ministry and also for the publication. You know, for a while, uh, a big part of, of El Living Stream Ministry is actually located in, in Irving. Maybe still some, I don't know. 
And especially during the time when the turmoil, the second turmoil that I talk about in the 80s, was brewing and actually erupted, Brother Lee had to go to Irving to conduct trainings. Um, that would be his, his home away from home because his home, quote unquote, in Anaheim somewhat rejected him. And, uh, and this brother Chang, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving C stories here, but, but it's these things you should know a little bit. Um, uh, this brother Chang came almost in a very timely manner in the early 80s from Taiwan. And I will tell you, um, he was a leading follower of Brother Lee, of Brother Lee's ministry. And Taiwan, the churches in Taiwan in those days, were not following the ministry so absolutely. But for him, he came to every uh, life study training with his wife. His, his wife's name is Faith. A very, very, he was a co-worker, full-time co-worker, uh, even starting in Shanghai uh, under uh, uh, Watchman Nee and then, of course, Brother Lee. And, um, and then she married this general who is kind of a latecomer as far as becoming a Christian. You know, he had a military life, and then he got saved when he was older. Then he also became a co-worker. Um, I have a lot of stories to tell you about my association with Brother Abraham, how he trained me. I was trained by a general. I mean, you know, military people, okay? I was trained by a military guy, and I have nothing to do with the military. I mean, he was, he is like, like this. He is like this. And I have to be, be his interpreter. <clears throat> Let me give you one story. You like to hear stories? So, uh, so I have to go around with him. One time we were in Seattle, and we were in Seattle, and by the way, he was also instrumental in the start of the Chinese-speaking work. He was instrumental in doing that, <clears throat> in gathering the Chinese saints, especially in those days, not from mainland China, mainly from Taiwan. So he would go to, to visit churches, address all the saints, but he would have some meetings with the Chinese-speaking brothers and sisters. And when he spoke to the congregation, I have to translate what he spoke into English. And my Chinese by that time was really, really rusty. And uh, especially these, uh, our, our kind of jargon or, or, or spiritual, um, uh, what do you call, uh, 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 terminologies and expressions, um, it, was, it was tough for me. So... Uh, here I was translating next to him in Seattle. And so he would be speaking, of course, I'll be live translation side by side. And then at one point, suddenly I translated something and, and there's not the next sentence from him. He stopped. He turned around to me on the stage or, or in front of the saints and he slapped me in the back. And if you know Abraham, uh, this brother Abraham, he, he has this kind of fierce look, a general look, you know, whatever, like this. Yeah, no, this is true. 
He slapped me in the back. Minoru, in Chinese, of course. Minoru, Chen, release your spirit. I mean, not joking. With all seriousness, everyone heard it. And then he turned back and continued his message. <laughs> Meaning that I was, my spirit is not released enough to match him. No, uh, no, this is a real, real story. My goodness, you, you can imagine for the rest of that message, <laughs> I was releasing my spirit. <laughs> and, and from then on, from then on, wherever he go, uh, you go, you bet I was, I was very exercised. And that became a real training to me. That was under him. And I won't tell you all the stories of Brother Lee training me. Brother Lee just had this thing about, with me. This, this guy here, he loved to just pick on me. Brother Lee loves to pick on me. Uh, more than other people for some strange reason. Maybe he felt the liberty, he felt the freedom. I have no idea. Um, oh, uh, I mean, if it's not him doing it, I will sue for public humiliation. <laughs> you know? And, and, but looking back, I will tell you, looking back with uh, Brother Chang and Brother Lee, Looking back, I, I would not exchange the training I received from them for anything. Standing here today, standing here today, your, your little brother here, I was testified to you that those hard, uh, unrelenting, and uncompromising training became the greatest help to me in my service to the Lord to this day. To this day, no, no, no joke. Well, I'm here trying to, and by the way, brother Abraham, this Abraham Chang died in Irving. In Irving, that hall that he was instrumental to, in, 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 uh, 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 to bring it to pass, he had a stroke during the uh, summer training there, one summer training, I believe 1985. Is 85 the book of Acts? 84 is Acts. Uh, this is 85. I don't know what book we... Huh? Conclusion. Conclusion. He just died in the bathroom just, just like that. And so he was uh, interred or buried in a cemetery there. Now he has been reinterred in Grace Terrace in, in, uh, in, uh, in Southern California. And... We came together, the saints, because this was right after the training. And Brother Lee uh, rarely give eulogies or, or fellowship at funerals. He did that at Brother Gruler's Sr.'s funeral. Brother Eugene Gruler Sr. Um, he did that, I believe, at Brother Samuel Chang's funeral. These are senior brothers. These are prominent and notable brothers. He would say something. At that meeting, he spoke. And any one of you who have been there, I do not know. But I will tell you, Brother Lee broke down. I have never seen Brother Lee wept so bitterly in public 
well, wept, period. But wept was so, so bitterly in public like that time. And I've never seen it again. And he spoke some words uh, uh, that is uh, so, so moving uh, about the faithfulness of this Abraham Chang towards the ministry, and I would even say towards his ministry. Uh, some years ago, uh, Brother Ed Marks, you know Brother Ed Marks, he gave me a little gift uh, of a framed quote of the few highlight, highlighted sentences from that eulogy of Abraham uh, that he gave to, uh, 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 on behalf of Abraham, Abraham Chang as a gift. So um, about the faithfulness of his uh, towards the ministry. Well, I, I say all these just um, anecdotes, but uh, dear brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that God is training his people. This is part of God's plan, part of God's work, part of God's economy, I would even say. If he trained his Old Testament people, how much more he will train his New Testament believers. And this training is not just to make them nice people, polite people, Midwestern people. This training is to make them really God's people. They're not just God's people in name. They are God's people in fact, in constitution, in their living, in their service. They have to teach them. God has to teach them through these ordinances how to worship him, how to, uh, to uh, uh, offer to him, uh, how to celebrate uh, these feasts. Uh, of course, all these are types, and now we have all these types interpreted for us New Testament believers to be trained how we should behave, how we should live, how we should serve. And one day, brothers and sisters, we will be doing this in eternity. You know, what are we going to do in eternity? Play golf? What, 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 what are we going to do? We are going to worship, right? And worship, you know, is not these kind of things that we, we have this natural religious thought of worship. The real worship is, is like that uh, 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 immoral woman in John 4. Because he, she struck up a conversation on worship with the Lord uh, just to uh, get the Lord off her back, you know. The Lord was going, you know, uh-huh, you know. What kind of woman are you? She said, let's talk religion. Okay, don't talk about me. So, so she starts this religious conversation of, you know, you, you, you're in, you, worship, you Jews worship in this mountain. We, you know, you know the Samaritans is a, is a mixed, mixed breed of people, uh, of Jews and non-Jews. Uh, from the Babylonians that came, uh, came uh, you know, when they conquered the land, you know, ages ago, they were the mixed bag, and they still claim Moses is one of, you know, they, 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 they venerate Moses, and, and they know the law, uh, but they're kind of a mixed people. But anyway, he, he, she had this, and then uh, eventually the Lord got to the point, um, 
And of course, you know the story. She drank the, uh, she drank the living water. She believed in the Lord, right? Um, the, it was a, a, a what a, a picture of a thirsty sinner and a thirsty savior. At the end of the story, both the thirst of both got quenched by each other. I love that gospel story. There's not just a thirsty sinner there. There's a thirsty savior there. You know who asked the question first? Give me some water to drink is the savior, not the woman. But the Lord was asking for physical water. Actually, the Lord is asking a drink from this woman, from man. And of course, eventually she drank the water. Well, my point is this. My point is, eventually, the Lord say, you know, the time, the hour is come that what? You will neither worship in this mountain or that mountain or this way or that way, right? The Father today is seeking the New Testament worshipers, right? And the way to worship is to worship what? In spirit and in truth or reality. But what does that mean? Brotherly, help us to realize that that drinking of that water, uh, excuse me, that worship is simply our drinking. When we drink that living water, when we drink Christ, we actually contact God and render him the true worship. Well, I may not be telling you things that you don't know, but I'm coming back to this point about training. We need training. So, uh, I like to also say, to follow this thought through, because I think it's an important point, that training involves not just instructions, you know, do this or do that. That's not really training. Training is with those instructions, you go and practice it. Otherwise, it's not training. You don't go to class and just hear things and hear things. No, you go and take what you hear and you do them. And you repeatedly do them. You do this over and over and over and over again until it becomes yours, until it becomes habitual, until it becomes uh, natural, until it becomes uh, your life. You know, if you're really a military man, you, uh, as a profession, eventually you're trained so much, you, you just, even the, from here to the corner, I, you stand there, I know you are, you're from the military. You know what I mean? The way even you, you, you stand straight. My, my wife is always on my case about my posture. He said, you look at your device too much, so you're, you're kind of like this. So she said, stand up, you know, straighten up your back, right? My point is that uh, training is not just hearing instructions, hearing teachings. Even like in our meetings, we hear a lot of teachings. We go to a lot of, lot of uh, conferences. But I tell you, real training is not complete until we do these things, Amen. until we practice these things. And not just once in a while, but repeatedly, faithfully, 
diligently with a good old Midwestern attitude, okay? You just do it again and again and again, and then that thing will become yours. So I train myself to be happy. Wow, you say, whoa, you need training to be happy? Sure, yes, yes, because you are, you are dull, you are morose, you are, you are unhappy, so you've got to train yourself not to be like this, but to be happy, to be jubilant, to be joyful, to be excited, yeah? So train yourself that way. So the way what? You need to call on the Lord. Amen. Repeatedly, right? You need to pray read the word repeatedly. You know, you say, uh, pray read the word will give me joy. Absolutely. What does it say in uh, Lamentation? You know, your words were found and I ate them and they become the joy and rejoicing of my heart. I mean, if you pray read and you don't, you're not joyful, there's something wrong with your pray reading. So you need to pray read until you are joyful. You practice that, you practice that, you practice that. Singing requires practice. You say, no, one day I'm going to be given a, a new vocal chords and the Lord will give me the score for the new song and I'm going to sing it. I'm going to be part of the choir, uh, uh, you know, up there somewhere. I, if you're not singing now, don't think you'll be singing then. You know, these overcomers will sing a new song. Uh, uh, if you're not singing it now, you're not going to sing then. Friends, sisters, let be trained to sing. Yeah. Now, how about praising? Do you think, oh, praising is easy. Oh, I, I, I know how to praise. No, you don't. You need to be trained to praise. Amen. You know, these priests are assigned as a division, a singing division. You know, like, like in the military, they have those who play in the band. You know what I mean? You... you, you and, and you have to go and practice and practice and practice until you're perfect. Pitch is perfect. You're, you're marching, you know, playing the drums or whatever you're doing. You, you, you are just perfect. Your cadence, your, 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 all, all of these things. You train, you train, you practice. You say, oh, uh, uh, Minoru, you, 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 you are not spiritual. You, you, we are spiritual. Spiritual people don't, don't do this. We just... Uh, wait for the spirit to come, you know. The spirit will come, and then I can sing, you know. The spirit will come, and I, I can praise. No, 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 you're altogether wrong. The spirit will come. Don't, don't worry about that. But I tell you, the spirit will come even to a donkey. You remember that? And that donkey speaks human language. Now you say, well, if the donkey does not need training, I don't need training. I'm, I'm a donkey, so I just wait for the Spirit to come, and I will speak human language. Let me tell you, there's only one donkey in the whole Bible, and, though, and he spoke only once. You want to be the donkey? You want to be a donkey Christian? Just, just have the Spirit once in, the, in your lifetime and say something strange? I, I tell you, no. Get rid of all these Pentecostal concept of miracles. The Spirit is real. We trust the Spirit. We need the Spirit. We need to be filled in the Spirit. But we're not like that kind of miraculous thing. I tell you, the Spirit is with us to train us. Even to be filled in Spirit, you need training. Don't depend on chance. Don't depend on fate. Don't depend on these kind of miracles. 
I tell you, God is not a God of miracle only when there's unbelief. You know, tongue speaking is, is for unbelievers. For people who believe in the Lord, we don't need tongues. Sorry, sorry. We need understanding. We need words that is understandable so we can say an amen to it. Amen. It's for unbelievers, you need some miracles. God works miracles, yes, because of unbelief. In normal times, God is not a God of miracles. God, rather, is a God of law. By law, I don't mean the Old Testament Mosaic law. I mean the law of principles. Like the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That is not a miraculous rescue. That is according to law. It's automatic. It's a principle like gravity that works every time. So long as conditions are fulfilled. So, brothers and sisters, do not look for miracles. Fulfill conditions. Fulfill the God-required conditions, and the law will kick in. The law will work spontaneously and automatically, even to save us from sin. Even to save us from the law of sin and death. So, now, you say, oh, what are you doing in this last message to talk like this. Well, the Lord is, I feel strongly, about to do something very special in the coming days and years in the United States. I absolutely am convinced. But don't look for miracles. I'm not talking about some miraculous days are coming. Special days, yes, but not in that kind of, you know, today a lot of Christians are praying for revival, but they're praying for a kind of re miraculous type of revival. Some, 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 something will be poured out and speaking in tongues and, 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 and um, uh, 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 we can heal people and, and all these kind of things. No, no, no. It is the sevenfold spirit that will intensify all of us from within. Not in a miraculous way, but yet in a real way. And this spirit within us, and this spirit upon us, is what is going to what? Carry out this new move of the Lord. To bring in a genuine revival. Not the Pentecostal type but a genuine revival of life in resurrection. And also, it is by this work of the Spirit that testimonies as models in local church after local church, that is going to be what? Built up, raised up. The testimony of Jesus. It is by this inner working of the Spirit in a very, in a, according to the principle of incarnation, that the Lord is going to what? Spread this Jubilee gospel all over this land. It is by this Spirit in us that we will be what? Constituted as priests or even a priesthood of the gospel. Laboring 
laboring, not miraculous, but laboring priests of the gospel to what? To save sinners. Uh, and seekers to nourish and to uh, uh, feed them, to teach and to perfect them, to help them to grow, to help them to have the full knowledge of the truth. It is by this way, brothers and sisters, that this new season will come about. So I hope this weekend's words will not just, will cause us, uh, well, how should I say it? Would not give us a kind of miraculous idea, but I like to use this last meeting to help us all to see that we are under a kind of training, perfecting, to be this kind of people that will usher in a new time and a new season. Do you get it, brothers? Amen. So, so, dear saints, go back in these next four months at least to start. I repeat from last night. Call on the Lord. Amen. Don't just call once in a while. Don't just call in a kind of a sloppy way or in a um, light way. Go back and rediscover the calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. I tell you, if you really call this way, even one call would change your day. Amen. One call with a real touch with Jesus, will just change you, change your life, and get you saved again. Amen. That kind of calling. And that kind of calling requires some practice with your companions. Come together. Brother Lee said that in those messages in, in, in 1994. Come together with a few, and to do nothing, just call on the Lord together. He just said that. This kind of, sounds kind of dumb. No, no, no. It depends how you call. You know, I am uh, uh, learning in my exercise to find out, you know, I swim. And people go swim like this, you know, take forever to do one lap. It's not bad. It's do, better than doing nothing. But those kind of swimming and floating around, it, it doesn't do the job. The way, the, 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 the latest uh, 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 um, e efficient uh, workout is called high intensity interval workout. It, it doesn't matter if you swim or you, you lift weights or you run. It is burst, you know, you go all out for 30 seconds. Then you give yourself 10 seconds of a break and then you go all out. The main thing is you have to lift your heart rate out to this level and keep it there for this period of time, I tell you, you can get, derive more benefits to your body in 10 minutes versus one hour of kind of slow, slow, you know what I mean, movement, movement. So I, I do some of that. 
And I can testify to the results of that. And so, brothers, it's not even you sit there for 30 minutes calling, but in a kind of a, I don't know what way, but I tell you, how about some intensified calling Amen. with the intensified spirit? Amen. I really mean it. And you call in that way. Amen. You call, Lord Jesus. You call from your, the depth of your being. I tell you, when you call that way, I tell you, your spirit is strengthened. The muscles in you are strengthened. You become healthy. You know, your heart, your cardiovascular system is, 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 is strong, will be strong. The same thing in the spiritual realm. Pray reading is the same thing. I see some kind of pray reading. I actually, I told you, I want to go there and say, stop your pray reading. Stop it right now. Your prayer reading is not doing a thing. In fact, your prayer reading is helping you to become more depressed. Pray read this way. Pray read this way. You know, so I'm training. I said there are four, kind, four levels of prayer reading. Am I right? There's just this kind of amen, amen kind of prayer reading. But there's a prayer reading, I call it the strike prayer reading. Strike prayer reading is like, brother, you talk about striking the phosphorus on the matchbox, you know what I mean? Strike, strike, strike. Why? Strike until fire comes out. Have you pray read, read in a way that when you pray read, there's fire, there's light, there's energy. I tell you, the word becomes living. The word at that time becomes the spirit word, the pneumatized word. It becomes really God's breath to give you life. Dear brothers and sisters, we need that kind of prayer reading. So come together in small groups, sisters, brothers, students, just to pray read. Pray read until you're filled. Pray read until you are fully, fully what? Energized and fed. You're fed. This needs practice. Now, now I added two other things, right, to that list. You know that. We need to be trained to sing. I still say this. You, you say, you know, this is not deep enough. We want some deep stuff. Don't, don't, singing is too, too. Singing is for the children. You know, children's meeting, you sing, you know. We are adults, we don't sing. We're, 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 we're stoic, you know, we're stoic. <laughs> we're Midwestern, you know. No, brothers and sisters, I tell you, I strongly feel the church life will change if we become a singing people. And I don't mean singing in a, you know, in a light way. I mean we really become singing people. You know, this hymnal we have is full of truth. Even is full of theology. Theology. Every good hymn is full of the word of God and the experience of the saints. That's the Psalms. Why we have a whole book of Psalms? Why David didn't write a lot of theology, but he wrote poetry and psalms? Because, let me tell you, the psalms or the poetry is the highest form of expression of the saints' sentiments from their experience of God. Amen. They are not lightweight stuff. I tell you, even to, 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 to pray is not the epitome. It's when you sing. When you praise, then you reach the height. You know, 
you, you can read a message, but when you sing a hymn, it's different. There's feeling involved. There's sentiment involved. There's emotions involved towards God. And these are not just truth per se. These are truth experienced by men. And in their experience, they have a response. They have a what? They have a kind of an expression towards God in the form of song and praise. You know what Bradley taught us to do that we didn't do? He said, sing the word. So I have this funny notion. Let me challenge you with that notion as a practice. Even I don't know fully how to practice it. But Brother Lee has spoken about it and we have not entered into it. So this is my, my, little, my little notion and try to understand it. Sing the Bible and read the hymns. I got it wrong, right? It should be read the Bible and sing the hymns. No, I didn't say that. No, I didn't say that. I said sing the Bible and read the hymns. You know, in, in Ephesians, it says what? Speak to one another. Speak in psalm and hymns and spiritual songs. You know, you know psalms? Uh, 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 it's not for singing. Well, you, of course they're for singing. But in that verse, it's not for singing. Not first. It's first for speaking. Dear brothers and sisters, we need to open the hymns and speak it and declare it. Yes, yes. And we need to open the Bible and find some way to sing it. How about that? Brother Lee spoke this, but it was not practice. In fact, he, he gave a lot of kind of a tips and hints. We didn't practice this. This is in the 80s. This is in the 80s. I long for that to happen. I long to see that happen. And I'm going to keep trying myself. I, I feel this is a big part of the good land we have not set our foot on. That we have not yet gained. And this is key. I tell you, all our experiences of Christ is all wrapped up in these things. Calling on the Lord. Pray reading His word. Singing. Singing. With a melody in your heart. And there's no better thing to sing than the word of God. And that's why even I write these hymns. Basically, these hymns are just passages from the Bible. Just rhymed. You know? Put it in a singable form. Actually, they are the word. I told you, it's Leviticus 25. Even the song we sang this morning, verse 1, Leviticus 25. Verse 2, uh, again, Luke 4. Verse 3, Acts 26. Right there, right there. We're singing the word. Well, at least to some degree. How about that? Uh, Stoic Midwesterners, I challenge you to sing. How about, how about, Winter is coming. Let's, let's blast through this winter by a song. huh? Amen. Let's not be stoic over this long winter coming up. I, I, I heard the weatherman. Uh, this summer has been unreasonably hot. This winter is going to be unreasonably cold. It's going to be a long one. Okay. 
Let's sing away. Okay? Don't just light that fire. Don't just turn on that heater. Let's sing. I really mean it. Chicago, sing. Wisconsin, sing. It's going to be real cold. Don't just grin and bear it. Sing your way through this winter. I mean it. Burst forth into song. You know, I, the best place I love to sing is in the shower. I, I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of common, right? When I go into shower, I just like to sing. And when, the, when that hot, hot water hits, and when I, when I sing to the Lord, I am in heaven. But it should not be just in the shower stall. But dear, dear saints, we need to sing everywhere. And when you have nothing to do, sing a song to Jesus. Amen. How about that? We have so many songs, so many hymns. Sing! Amen. And singing is the way to touch the Spirit. Amen. To touch the Lord. Amen. Overcomers, sing a new song. Amen. I would like to say, actually... To overcome, the best way to overcome is to sing. Now the, 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 the last thing is praise. The last thing is praise. Of course, singing and praising is together. Uh, it says in James, if anyone uh, rejoices or is happy, let him sing praise. Let him sing praise. So... Uh, Brothers and sisters, let's recover the praising church life. Amen. The praising Christian life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. You know what? You know what hallelujah means. You know hallelujah. Hallelujah, right? Yah. Yah is Yahweh. Yah. God, Jehovah. Hallelujah is what? Let us praise. Let us praise. Let us praise Jehovah, let us praise the Lord. That's hallelujah. And one day at that wedding feast, you want to be in the wedding feast with Christ? Okay, well, my question is, what are you going to do there? Okay, you got dressed up, you got the white linen, you got all of that stuff, okay? But what are you going to do there? In front of the bridegroom? Ah, what, what, what are you going to do? Or what do you think he wants you to do? Kiss him. Kiss him, right? Well, how do you kiss the sun? I think the way to kiss the sun is to use your mouth to say good things about him. That means to bless him, to speak well of him, which really means to praise him. Do it, dear saints. Do it, these things. From the lakes to the plains, let the Midwest be filled with resounding praise. In the ivory towers, that means in the local churches. How about we do this? Then we usher in Jubilee. But this takes practice. Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with us. Now, what time is it? The 11. <clears throat> so, uh, yesterday's message, I 
jump over it, not because it's a bad outline, but because the spirit is doing something else. I like all of you, <clears throat> by the way, uh, I'm very practical, okay? Uh, I think uh, Marty will give an announcement that this coming week, each day from Monday, oh, this is Monday already, okay. From Tuesday to Saturday, each day get into one of these message outlines that you have. I hope you didn't throw them away, okay? Okay, all right. So tomorrow you get into message one and read it with some saints or whatever you want to do. Some of you want to dig into it further, it's fine. All the way to uh, uh, message six. And then, and then, uh, message five, and then next coming, next Lord's Day, have an overflow in your churches from this weekend. Right? How about this? And don't even stop there. Continue to keep these things in your church life. In the prayer meeting, I'm sure, this will give you a lot of direction and guidance how to pray. Right? And, and, and help one another. Too often we have these conferences. These confer conferences come fast and furious. You know, one conference, you, 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 you just finish one and another one is coming. And I'm a little concerned that it didn't stick. You know, we keep hearing things, it didn't stick. How about let this one stick? And the only way it will stick is you get back into it. You get back into it. Now, besides this, and there's so many things in here that we didn't cover um, uh, that is there concerning the Lord's move in the Midwest and in this country. But I would like to also uh, give uh, the brothers uh, four outlines on the Jubilee. Four outlines with, with ministry excerpts. I think we can give it to the saints with ministry excerpts. And I'd like to right now read to you what are the titles of these four me messages. This is message one with these beautiful, wonderful outlines. I hope maybe even the churches here would take four weeks have a, some mini-conference among yourselves in a little cluster in Wisconsin, a little cluster in Michigan. Go through this jubilee uh, 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 outlines and then take four weeks in your morning revival to cover that. And by this way, you will really enter into its reality, experience more. Okay, message one is on, you don't need to write this down. The age of, of the jubilee and the illustration of the Jubilee. And of course, that mainly is from Leviticus. Uh, no, no. Starting with Leviticus and ending with what? Luke 15 on the case of the prodigal. That is the illustration of Jubilee. Message two, the blessings of the Jubilee. Number one, uh, uh, are two things. Return to our possession and free from slavery. I didn't have time to say that much, but there's so much riches on, these, on this thing. Message three, the living of the Jubilee and the enjoyment of Christ as the Jubilee. The living. Jubilee is not just a holiday or a holiday year or whatever it is. It is 
a living, the living of the normal Christians and the enjoyment of Christ as the Jubilee and message four, which is really the message you have this morning in your hand, proclaiming the gospel for the propagation of Christ as the Jubilee. Okay? I hope this will be in your hands and you can really get into it. Now, brothers and sisters, with the uh, uh, remaining time, um, I like to uh, Uh, you don't need to read the outline, but I'd like to uh, use this morning's outline just to speak uh, here extemporaneously uh, concerning this burden in this outline. <clears throat> this outline is based on Acts 26, where the Lord called and commissioned with every calling there's always a commissioning. The Lord called Saul and commissioned him right there to go to the nation, to the Gentiles, to speak and proclaim what he has seen and what the Lord will appear to him later on. And of course we know all that are found in the 14 epistles of Paul. That is the full and complete gospel of God, or you may say the entire economy of God. That's what Paul did, faithfully. Now, in his commissioning to Paul, the content of this full gospel was given to him. And that con the content of that gospel is exactly the New Testament Jubilee. It is the fulfillment of the Jubilee. So in that, in that gospel, he spoke, I mean, God spoke to Paul, uh, about seven things, seven things, I believe I'm correct, seven things, okay? Here, uh, I, I will just speak from uh, the um, recovery version. Acts 26, Here we go. And you know, here actually it was Paul speaking in front of King Agrippa, giving the king the testimony of his salvation and conversion. Okay. So he said this, verse 18, verse 18. It's all in verse 18. Seven things. Number one, to open their eyes, all right? Number two, to turn them, the Gentiles, from darkness to light. Number three, 
from the, to turn them from the authority of Satan to God. Number four, that these people would receive the forgiveness of sins. Number five, that they would receive an inheritance. That's number five. Number six, that they would be sanctified by faith. And number seven, that it's not explicitly set here, but number seven, that they would be with the saints. They would be with the sanctified ones. You know, uh, in Colossians chapter 1, you'll find the same gospel there, spoken in a different way. And there, Paul talked about the what? The divine allotment. The, that allotment is what? Given to the saints. The portion of the saints in the light. All right? We've been transferred from out of the kingdom of darkness in the kingdom of the son of his love. And we have been restored to this portion. This portion is the portion of the saints in the light. So number seven point is the saints. And Brother Lee said that indicates the church life. The church life. So you have these seven things. These seven things comprise the New Testament jubilee. When we experience these seven things, we are living in jubilee. Now, the burden this morning, or that is very much uh, in Brother Lee's heart when we spoke on about this, and um, I like to tell you where to find that message, where Brother Lee spoke about this, and on which this outline, our part of our outline this morning is based, is a book called The Young People's Training. There's a book called The Young People's Training. Message, uh, not one, perhaps message two or three. You'll find it. That message was given in 1975. Soon after we migrated from L.A. to Orange County with Brother Lee. And Brother Lee started to give trainings. Talk about trainings. Brother Lee started to give trainings. And he gave trainings to young people. And I was a young person then, so I was under that training. It is, by the way, that book is classic. Young people, students, you've got to get that book. That's a must read on my list. And there, Brother Lee spoke about young people, students, you need to go and preach the gospel. You need to bear fruit. You need to gain uh, the young people from off the campuses, all of that as a commission. But in that message, I can never forget, Brother Lee turned that around and spoke to us that if you want to carry out this same commission as Paul, you have to experience these things first. That's the burden. Brother Lee, in a way, was not so worried about our preaching. He was concerned that we have the reality of what we preach. That, that means we are what we speak. 
You know, we can go tell all the world about this and that. Then they look at you and they don't see anything. You know, I can go out and say, dog, dog, D-O-G, dog. Then they look at the picture. It looks like a worm. Dog, worm, doesn't match. They want to see a dog and all these, they read a dog and, and you're telling them it's a dog. But when you show up, you look like a worm. And they don't see the dog. They just see a worm. There's a mismatch. And after a while, people say, I don't, I, I don't, what's this stuff? That's a lie. You talk about all these wonderful things, but I see in your life, nothing. You're not living it. You're not walking the talk, as they say. Brothers and sisters, this is a, a real burden in our brother at that time. And I, as a young person, was deeply, deeply convicted. And I felt he preached this gospel to me first. Now, so these seven things, brothers and sisters, let us apply to ourselves first. And so, really, in that message, that message was full of prayers. Prayers. Not by sinners out there, but by us. He asked questions. He said, young people, you want to open people's eyes. But I asked the question, are your eyes open? Or are you still blind? To spiritual things, you know, to heavenly things. So he said, now you need to go to the Lord and pray, Lord, please open my eyes first. I don't want to live in blindness. I don't want to live in darkness. I want to see. I want to see you. Open my eyes, he said. I did that. I did that. I went back and prayed to the Lord that he would first open my eyes before I can open others' eyes. Lord, restore my vision that others' vision can be cured. How can a blind person heal a blind person? Both will fall into the ditch. Am I right? And he said, pray, pray that the Lord will turn you from darkness to light. Brothers and sisters, are there still some darkness in us? Some hidden darknesses? Something that people don't see, but it is, exists in our being, in our lives? Does Satan still, Satan who is the, the king of darkness, does, he, does Satan still have some ground in us called darkness? In certain parts of our heart, in our relationships, in our home life, in our private lives. Is it light there or there's still darkness there? Lord, turn me from darkness to light. I want to live in the light. I want to live in God. Then he said, Ask, ask this question. 
have you fully turned from the authority of Satan to God? Thus, the enemy still have some rule over us, some authority over us, some ground in us. Or are we entirely yielded to God? Are we entirely subject to God? Are we entirely under his rule and his reign in his kingdom? You know, darkness is simply, simply stated is the satanic kingdom. Light is God's kingdom. Where are you? So in Colossians, we may be transferred, in fact, from darkness to light. From the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the son of his love. But in our daily life experience, are we transferred? Or are we still living a little bit? in the satanic realm and that fully in the realm of light that is in the realm of God. We have to pray. And then he said, this is one, this is a good one. We're here to proclaim, you know, release and forgiveness of sins, right? But he said, have all your sins been forgiven? Christian, he asked, brotherly asked, have you dealt with all your sins? Have you repented of your sins? Big ones, small ones. Have, have, have your sins been freshly forgiven? I, I think some of us may have cumulative sins that have not been dealt with. Some for weeks, some for months, some maybe for years. And when those sins are not dealt with through conviction and confession, and we're not washed by the blood of Jesus, we won't have that joy of forgiveness and of salvation. And then when we go preach to others, tell people, there would be even a kind of what? Even the spirit cannot, what, bear witness in such a strong way. We won't even have that kind of boldness to tell people, your sins are remitted, because mine was. Actually, I'm very burdened, dear saints, talk about Jubilee, that we all need a life of confession. And repentance. I don't mean with a long face. But you know what I mean. A released, truly released person is a person whose sins are truly forgiven. And that doesn't come cheap. And don't let time, just say time, these things will fade away. Time will wash them. No, only the blood of the Lamb can wash away our sins. And that blood will only work and it will work automatically only if we confess. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. Young people, I say a word to you. Have you confessed all of your sins? How about you have been not right with your parents? You talk back. 
you're a bit rebellious. Even that you need to take care of in order to preach this gospel. Husband and wives in marriages. I know I'm married. This is my 43rd anniversary. How about between the husband and the wife? Not just forgiveness from God, but forgiveness from one another. How about relationship with brothers and sisters in the church? Are we still holding? You know, we need to be forgiven for our inability to forgive. Do you know what I'm saying? Not forgiving others is a sin in the, in the Bible. Someone said it good in the world. He said, to not forgive is like drinking poison. The more you don't forgive people, the more you die. You are actually taking the poison in. Forgive. Be quick to forgive. God forgives. And God even forgets. We forgive, but we won't forget. And so the thing is still hanging there. Brothers and sisters, this life of being forgiven and forgiving... That's jubilee. And to preach this jubilee, we need to live in that life. Very, very practical. And then, brotherly say, ask the question. Have you been sanctified? Are you sanctified? Or are you still common? You may not be sinful, but you're just common, just like the world. The world is seeking this. You're seeking that. The world's lifestyle is this way. Your lifestyle is that way. The, Lord has that, the world has that kind of goal. You also have that kind of goal. You're actually not much different except you're a Christian. We're not that sanctified. We're still quite worldly. We think. We're conf- we, the way we think is in confirmation to this age. And the Lord needs to do not only an outward separation, but an inward separation within us. And that is, can only be done by the sanctifying spirit. By him filling us, saturating us every day. Even the word is a sanctifying word. One of the word's main function is to wash and cleanse the bride. So when we pray, read, dear saints, there should be a sanctifying effect. And then the next thing he said, are you really enjoying your inheritance? That is Christ. Are we living a life that is enjoying Christ daily? Loving him. Truly enjoying him as our unique portion. Or are we enjoying something else? Then lastly, he asked the question. He did. He said, are you in the church life? Are you fully in the church life? Are you entirely living in the church life with God's people? Or do you have a secret life that you're living? 
You know, I'm afraid there's this two-faced life going on. This face you see here is pretty good, but there's some kind of private life here going on that no one sees. Dear saints, our life is the church. Amen? Ask these questions. But these questions is not to, you know, to get us into our mind, uh, to get us just to in a kind of a, some kind of self-condemning exercise. No, that's not the point. Don't do that. Don't introspect. What we need to do is simply go to the Lord. Just touch the Lord. Call on his name. Am I right? Pray, read his word. Praise him and sing to him. And as we do those things, the funny thing is God would come. But when God comes, oftentimes it is to touch us, to speak to us, to convict us with a, with a purpose to heal us. Am I right? To sanctify us, to make us his peculiar possession. Then, my brothers and sisters, all over the Midwest, in the churches, when we tell people about the, the Jubilee, when people come into our midst, when people come into our homes, when people look at us, they will see this and say, wow, this thing is real. This is not just D-O-G. There's a real dog picture here. I mean, there's a real canine here, you know? There's a real German shepherd here. These people are not just talking, talking. These people are living it. There's a picture here. That's the model. That's the model. Now, I hope by saying this, you're not depressed. <laughs> okay? You're rather released. There is a way for us to go on, not just with some temporary Pentecostal revival, but a long and lasting revival with reality of the Jubilee. Okay, amen? amen? Now, one last thing I have to say, and then we're done. I'm done. And that is what? That is, this burden for the Midwest is real. Although this Midwest, actually, I should say, not just Midwest, but the heartland, that includes the South and so on, but we're in the Midwestern area, okay? Uh, One-fifth of this country's population the burden that I spoke about yesterday concerning the co-workers feeling strategically that we need to focus in this part of America to gain the local population, to work labor on the campuses, to raise up churches uh, all over this area is a very strong one. Uh, did I tell you, I, did I tell you that two leading ones from the church in Anaheim this week, Thursday, this last Thursday, talked to me. I didn't ask. They came and talked to me. Did I tell you this? No. Okay. Talk. I told the brothers. What is an elder? The other is another responsible brother. One is in the Chinese speaking. One is in the English speaking. They came to me. They said this. Brother Toto, knowing that I'm coming to Chicago, they said, Minoru, 
the church in Anaheim last Tuesday in these language meetings had one of the most prevailing prayer meetings we ever experienced in Anaheim. And that's saying a lot. For not only the Labor Day conferences that were take, that is taking place in five, six places across the country, but especially for the Midwest. That's why they told me. When we touched, they say, when we touched the heartland, when we touched the Midwest conference this weekend, the spirit just burst forth. Brothers and sisters, I feel these two days the Lord has been with us in a certain particular way, in an uncommon way. I don't attribute this to my speaking whatsoever. I attribute this to the prayers of the saints. The prayers in the body, because the word is going out concerning the burden for the heartland. And the saints, the faithful saints, echo this burden from all over, not just from here, all over. And they're praying for it, and they're still praying for it, and they will continue to pray for it. We're covered by prayer. So I believe it will happen. Now, we have to do our share, being those who are prayed for. We're in this place, and the Lord is going to move. Now, in the coming days and years, we're going to continue to blow this trumpet of this burden of local population, a growing campus work, and specifically this central part of America. Every year we have this GTCA move, Gospelized, Truthized, Churchized America. And in 2019, it will come around again. And I have the deepest burden in 2019 GTCA, there will be quite an emphasis on the heartland. As far as cities and campuses are concerned. And this is not just for the saints in the heartland to rise up. I believe the churches in the United States of America and Canada will all rise up Amen. to focus on this area, even for GTCA. We're going to have a lot more fellowship concerning what cities, concerning the campuses, concerning existing churches that needs strengthening. Amen? Amen. And one thing that I, we really look to the Lord is in yesterday's outline we didn't cover, and that is the Lord would touch many saints to migrate. I have a burden that many from the coastal areas would migrate to the heartland. It's happening already, here and there. Am I right? The brothers tell me, they get calls, we're coming. Why are you coming? Well, we're coming. St. Louis, we're coming. Amen. Where, where else? No, I mean even existing churches. Huh? Ann Arbor. There are people coming. And you know today with the e economy, more and more people can work remote. They don't need to be in some desk in some, some, some building. They, they're free to move. They're more mobile. 
you know, these, uh, these uh, tech people, so they can easily move. You know, uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, uh, Lin, Lin. Uh. Billy Lin moved, he worked for Microsoft. Uh, he said he's moving to Champagne a few years ago. They said, go, go, go. You don't need to work in our building. You just go there and work. And now he's moved to Frankfurt, Germany, and still working for Microsoft, except the time zone is a little upside down. <laughs> but my brothers and sisters, people are becoming more and more mobile. They can just move. And I have a secret. I have a secret to convince them to move. I said, where you're living, the cost of standard cost of living is way too high. Both you and husband and wife have to work a job to hire a babysitter. Not good. In San Francisco, a million dollars will buy you a uh, little box like this that needs fixed up. Come to the Midwest. Come to these places where for one little tiny fixer-upper you can buy a mansion or two. <laughs> Why not? And don't let the wife work. Her job should be raising up children. You don't need no hire. The best babysitters cannot compare to a good mother. So mothers, stay home and raise your kids. And you all you need your husband's one job and you live very nicely in the Midwest somewhere. <laughs> Why slave away over in, uh, in, uh, in, in, in the coast? I won't want to name names because I'll be in trouble. <laughs> come, come. I'm going to stir up the burden of all the saints to migrate to the center part of America. Yeah. Not just to have some cheaper housing, but for the Lord's move now. Amen? Amen? Amen. And you, we all, so all in the Midwest, should be free to not be tied down as well to migrate Amen. within the Midwest as the Lord's need would dictate. In this, he mentioned Columbia, Missouri. Big university town. A few saints there, I think. No church, no work. And there are many towns like this. Manhattan, Kansas. Huh? Lansing, Michigan. 50,000 people in that state, University of Michigan. Farm kids, am I right? Farm kids. All over the place. This place is just, just full of opportunities, full of empty places for the Lord to fill, full of deserted cities for young men to fill. That is a prophecy in Ezekiel 39, uh, 37. Pray that prayer. You know this group of dear brothers from Texas, did you see them? These guys from Texas, all from, they all go to UT Austin, but they, you know why they came up here? Because one among them spent a few months in Madison, Wisconsin uh, to do some intern or something. So he, he got Midwesternized and then he went back there and he got a whole car of them to drive 17 hours one way 
nonstop from Austin, Texas for this conference. And last night after the meeting, they left for 17 hours. I think they're still driving right now <laughs> on their way to Austin. Back to Austin. Dear brothers and sisters, this place is ripe for the reaping. And the whole recovery, I, would, I dare say, especially in the United States, are one for this. We're not for our own region. Even if we're here in the Midwest, we're not for the, some regional thing. We're for the Lord's move in America. Amen. All right? Amen. It's coming. Brothers and sisters, it will happen. Not in that kind of crazy Pentecostal way, but in a solid way, organic way of life. Okay? Amen. Let's pray for this. Amen. Let's really pray for this. Lord, we thank you for this weekend. Amen. We're, our hearts are filled with praises. Amen. So much so we don't know how to contain them. Lord, this, at the end of this conference, we just like to give you the glory. Amen. We like to give you the praise. Amen. We also like to give you our gratitude and thanksgiving Amen. for burdening so many saints to pray for this weekend. Amen. To pray for your move in the heartland of America. Amen. Lord, we like to end by asking you to remember us. Amen. We know you do but we still like to call on your name. Amen. Remember us. Amen. In your wrath, you show compassion. Amen. With all the history we have been through, you're bringing us into the springtime. Amen. You're bringing us into a new season. Amen. You're bringing forth a revival. Amen. We say, restore us unto you. Amen. Lord Jesus. Cause your face to shine upon us. Amen. We give you all the churches in this region. Amen. We give you all the saints in this area. Amen. We pray for your mercy and your grace. Amen. We pray your visitation from on high. Amen. We pray that your hand will follow us after this weekend. Amen. As we return home. Amen. As we go back to our respective church life. Amen. Lord. Do the work of intensification. Amen. Pneumatize us. Amen. Vitalize us. Amen. Raise us up. Amen. And bring forth a jubilee church life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we do this with filled with anticipation Amen. of what you will do in 2019 Amen. and the years afterward. Amen. Oh, we're here to blow the trumpet Amen. and say, Jubilee has come. Amen. Jubilee has come. Amen. Oh, Jubilee has come. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. Amen. This is the day of salvation. Amen. We pray many sinners will be saved. Amen. Many wandering ones will be brought home. Amen. Many seekers will find you and the truth. Lord, that your testimony will grow, Amen. will increase, Amen. will expand. Amen. Lord Jesus, Amen. we call on your name Amen. and we thank you, Lord, Amen. for what you have already started. Amen. 
Lord, let all this be done according to your promise, according to your faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And saints, we've been called to realize our good land. Everything about the Jubilee is related to the land. And this good land that we've been called to is Christ. I really appreciate our brother's uh, word this, this morning that it's really that we would come into this land by the exercise of our spirit. Amen. You know, the two spies that, went, that were in the land, Caleb and Joshua, they had another spirit. Amen. And this morning, our brother just, just sharing with us, it's not a matter of something Pentecostal that, oh, it's just going to happen. It's, it's just going to fall on us. It's really that we need another spirit. Amen. And we've been given that spirit. Amen. And this morning, our brother began fellowshipping about how we need to exercise our spirit Amen. in a rich way that was given to us even in the 60s Amen. at the height of the revival. In, uh, in Eldon Hall, the brothers were given these two, these number of these marvelous gifts. One is calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. One is pray reading his word. Amen. And one is by our singing of the released way. Amen. Saints, these are the ways that we'll enter into this good land. Amen. So it's a very practical way when we go back, we're not just passive, but we've been called to exercise of our, into our good land. Amen. And we can have the spirit of Caleb and Josh and Joshua. We can have another spirit. Amen. But if we don't fan our spirit into flame, we'll just stay the same. We'll be just hanging around waiting for something to fall on us. Saints, that's not the way of the Lord's recovery. Amen. The way of the Lord's recovery is to have an exercise spirit. Amen. This is the unique thing that's been recovered. Amen. The unique thing is our human spirit. Amen. And the exercise of our spirit. So, saints, we've been given the way. When we go back, it's our exercise. Amen. Fan into flame your spirit Amen. every day and with all the saints. Amen. Praise the Lord, we've been given Amen. the way. Let's exercise it. Amen. Not too long, John. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I heard a trumpet this weekend. Amen. Hallelujah. And this is such an encouraging call uh, for the church life. Uh, I had a little taste this weekend um, from basically Friday till this moment. We have been living uh, the church life. And we are a peculiar people. I appreciate the brother's call that we, uh, we are endeavoring for a model. For a testimony of Jesus. And to have a testimony requires training. We cannot expect to have a true expression with a low level of training. Any profession has the highest training. And what is it for the church life? Surely we need the most training. And I appreciate the brother's word. Actually, if we're not in training, we should be practicing. These are the two. We go in training. And then we practice. Amen. So we can go back Amen. and we can practice Amen. these practical ways of calling. Amen. So I just like to charge the saints, how about this week we consider a different way 
Find someone to read the Bible with and pray read. Amen. Find the saints to call with all those who call together out of a pure heart. Lord Jesus, Jesus. may you bless your recovery.